Welcome to Explain It for Easter Sunday. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The gospel lessons, uh, four of them, all speak of the resurrection. And so we'll be looking briefly at uh, Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20. Now, if someone were to ask you, what is the central message of the Christian faith? Uh, What is the the core teaching? What is it that you believe, that you teach, that you confess? Or maybe said this way, what is the message of first importance? If you had one conversation and you could only talk about one thing, what is it that you would, would talk about? What is it that you have received and that you would desire to pass on? Maybe just not to uh, your family, but also to friends and, and those you come in contact with. What is it that we receive and pass on from generation to generation? What is that message of first importance? Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So here is the Here's the message of first importance. If you only had one conversation with someone about the Christian faith, this is what you would say. It's about Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and risen for the forgiveness of sins. Or you could say it maybe this way. Sin's wage has come due, and that the Lord Jesus Christ on that Good Friday pays the debt. The wage of sin is death. Death. And so the Lord Jesus pays that debt, and he is placed in the tomb. And then the resurrection this day, Easter Sunday, is proof of payment. It's the receipt that you can show to the devil and to the world and to your own sinful flesh that the wages of sin in death has been paid for, and that now we're reconciled to God and uh, reconciled to one another. Again, Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and risen for the forgiveness of sins. Now, each gospel has uh, a resurrection account. Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John chapter 20. And there's time references in each of those gospels. Uh, Time references like after the Sabbath, or when the Sabbath was over, or on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, Uh, while it was still dark out, at dawn, just after sunrise. Now, all of these these time references really echo, uh, echo back uh, to Genesis chapter 1. It's as if Genesis chapter 1 begins with with those very same uh, time references. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth, Genesis says, was formless and empty And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then it says, God speaks, and he says, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now, you hear uh, that rhythm all throughout the scriptures. Six days God has created uh, the world. The seventh day he rested. 
In the book of Exodus, the people are told to Sabbath on the seventh day, reflecting uh, that work of God. That God worked for six days, creating the world, and on the seventh day, he rested. Well, you see it here in the crucifixion, uh, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. On the sixth day, Jesus finishes his redemptive work. In fact, one of those words from the cross uh, is very clear. Jesus crying out, it is finished. The redemptive work has been accomplished. He is put into the tomb, he's buried, and he rests in that tomb on the seventh, seventh day. You could say he, he sabbaths or he rests from his redemptive work. But on the first day of the week, you could also say the eighth day, you know, seven days plus this new first day, the eighth day, that's often how the early church fathers referred to uh, this time frame as the eighth day. Uh, the, the gospel accounts say on the first day of the week, you could say now these women go to the tomb and they're witness to Jesus recreating this world, Jesus beginning the work of the new creation. Now, the attack of the devil and the corruption of our old uh, sinful flesh, our nature from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, the result of that attack of the devil and our corrupted uh, nature is that by nature we don't want, we don't want the promises of God. We go hiding in the garden like Adam and Eve. We're afraid of God. We don't understand the promises of God. We don't believe the promises of God. And we don't speak then of the promises of God. And all of this is devil's work, right? Not wanting the promises of God, not understanding them, not believing them, not proclaiming them. So by default, human reason and our human emotion rule. Now that's the the corrupted human reason, the corrupted uh, part of us, the emotions that get the best of us. And by default, those rule the day. And not the promises of God in Jesus, nor the revelation of God in the scriptures. And so you see it played out on this first day of the week. Human emotions and human reason. And you know what the response is to the empty tomb? Someone took the body. Someone took the body. Now, the religious leaders uh, say that, and that's uh, that's the rumor that they wanted to spread. Uh, the women who go to the tomb they think it. The disciples are in agreement that someone must have must have taken taken the body. Matthew chapter twenty eight, verses twelve through fifteen says, "When the chief priest had met with the elders, they devised a plan, and they gave the soldiers, the ones who had been at the tomb guarding it, gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away.'" while we were asleep. And they say, well, if this report gets to the governor, we're going to satisfy him. We'll keep you out of trouble. And so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Well, that's again, devil's work. Someone took the body. Human reason, human emotion. Let's come up with another uh, story to explain the, the empty tomb. Now, it's just not the soldiers, and it's just not uh, the religious leaders. It's also uh, each of the women who who went to the tomb and the disciples. In John chapter 20, they, uh, the angels, ask Mary, 
They say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, well, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. So she's thinking someone took the body. At this, uh, the text says, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Her eyes were, eyes were closed to him. And Jesus says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And Mary, thinking he was the gardener, says, Sir, if you have carried him away, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Now, Jesus was clear about his death, and he was clear about his resurrection as well. But no one expected it, did they? No one going to the tomb on that first day of the week, very early in the morning, in the darkness, expected that the tomb would be empty, that the stone would be rolled away. They went there to anoint the body. And when they told the disciples, the disciples came, they saw the empty tomb, but they couldn't, couldn't put it together either. Now, <clears throat> Jesus wasn't unclear about this, um, but they didn't expect it. They thought it was nonsense. Now, Luke chapter 24, um, the angels say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And then they say, Remember how he told you. Think about it. What did, he, what did he speak about? Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. And then the text says, then they remembered his words. They rem- remembered that he had, had said that. Didn't necessarily believe it, but they remembered that he had said it. Luke 24 continues, verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, uh, the women told all these things to the eleven and to the other, all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But verse 11 says, But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. John 20 says, They, they still didn't understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. In fact, they say, but we had hoped. We had hoped. Human reason and emotion, corrupted by the devil, they're always thinking, well, someone took the body. But this is what is written, the revelation of God incarnate in Jesus and in the scriptures. Uh, He must be crucified, dead, put in the tomb, but on the third day he would rise again. Again, the corruption of the devil is for us. Um, he doesn't want us to uh, desire the promises of God, nor to understand them, nor to even believe them, or even then to proclaim them. But on the sixth day, Jesus is doing a new work. Jesus says it is finished from the cross. He Sabbaths, and then on this new day, this first day of the week, he begins the new creation. So let's let's think about it again this way. The new creation, and we'll think about Genesis. It's the first day. Uh, well, it's very early in the morning. There's darkness. Well, for the woman, women, there's darkness physically, but also for the women and the disciples, there's darkness spiritually. There's the story of Jesus walking in the garden, just like in Genesis. He's walking in the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And he says, and he speaks, and he cries out, Uh, to Adam and Eve, as he does to Mary. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? 
And thinking that he was the gardener, she says to, says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And then Jesus speaks her name, Mary. Mary. There's something about God speaking our name. Um, Mary was the one who had the demons cast out of her. And all of a sudden, she, she realized, with the speaking of her name, Mary, she recognized the voice of Jesus. And then she runs back to the disciples and she says, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said all of these things to her. So you have two options, right? On this Easter Sunday, someone took the body. It's gone. Well, either someone came and stole it, the disciples, or the religious leaders, they took it. So you have someone took the body as the first option. Or the other one, he is risen. He is risen indeed. This new creation then comes to us. This gift of faith, the Holy Spirit pointing to the person and work of Jesus, uh, testified to in all of the scriptures. And when that new creation happens, when we are born again, we all of a sudden begin to desire all of the promises of God. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. Once darkness, but now light. Once nothing, and now there's everything. Once spiritually dead, but now we're resurrected. And these desires are given to us. Desires for all of the promises of God. Understanding the promises of God. Believing the promises of God in Christ Jesus. And then proclaiming telling others about these promises of God. So what is that central message of the Christian faith? What's that message of first importance? The one that we receive and then pass on, receive and pass on, receive and pass on. Again, Paul says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. If he had one conversation to have with someone, and only one, what would you talk about? Christ Jesus crucified, dead, and risen for the forgiveness of sins. So it's the first day of the week. We also know it as Sunday, don't we? The Lord's Day. So every time we go to worship on the Lord's Day, you know what we're celebrating? A little Easter. A little Easter. And our human reason and our emotions are taken captive by the Word of God, all of the promises of God. And we give ourselves to those promises, and through those promises, faith is given to us. And so it's a little Easter, and as we go there, we, we remember the Easter greeting. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.